It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Daniel Jeremiah says the Cincinnati Bengals have their eyes on Brock Bowers, but what do the Bengals have to do to make that work? Let's get into it. You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. I'm your host, Jake Lisko. He's your host, James Rapine. Together, we are the Lockdown Bengals podcast coming to you on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts every day. If you're new to the show, you can subscribe. If you want to stay up to date on the Cincinnati Bengals this offseason with all the topics and analysis that we're going to get into between the draft and free agency, today we're going to talk about Brock Bowers and catch up on the deadlines and timelines we can expect for the T. Higgins franchise tag. In an episode brought to you by Game Time, you can download the Game Time app, create an account, and use promo code Locked On for twenty dollars off your first purchase of tickets. And James Daniel Jeremiah tweeting late on Monday night as I was waiting to board a red eye, and you were dealing with parental duties. That Brock Bowers is a, a target, or or somebody named Brock, or maybe somebody that plays defensive tackle. But I'm pretty sure he's talking about Brock Bowers. Yeah, I think so. I think he's talking about Brock Bowers. And, uh, well, here comes the pain. Only certain people will get that reference, but I had to make it since Daniel Jeremiah threw out the Brock Lesnar reference. Sign me up. And, and we talked about this in our mock. And make sure you check out our Mock Draft Monday episode, which was fun and is designed to give you different scenarios that could actually happen in real life. And Brock Bowers falling to 18 may feel far-fetched, but I do think there is a scenario, the same scenario that a lot of people, Bengals fandom-wise, whether it's in Cincinnati or, or all across the country and world, it, the idea of drafting Brock Bowers, I'm sure a lot of you said, oh, well, trenches, offensive tackle, and, and I get it, defensive tackle. They need help in all these areas, specifically the trenches. And, and that's the argument and part of why Bowers could fall is because this is such a great offensive tackle class that multiple offensive tackles could go before pick 18 that we don't necessarily expect to go before pick 18. And they may value, these other teams may value that over taking this awesome tight end prospect. And that's exactly what he is, who would be, I think, awesome in this Bengals offense if used correctly. And uh, by used correctly, I don't mean throwing the ball because he's great after the catch. I, I think all of that's fine, but how they build around him and, and tailor their offense to a really what would be Jamar Chase and Brock Bowers. If you take Brock Bowers at 18, he's your number two option. That's what happens. Maybe not as a rookie, but maybe, but maybe not as a rookie, but certainly in 2025. So th that's something I, th I think we should explore in this episode is how it would look around Brock Bowers if he were to fall to 18 and if the Bengals were to pick him. And I think they would, by the way, if he was there when they were on the clock. Yeah, I think that there's part of the conversation, which is 
how do they get to the point where they're comfortable making that selection? And part of the conversation is how do they build around Brock Bowers properly and use his skill set properly within what we expect the offense to be, even with some of the changes. Maybe you're expecting a little bit more 12 personnel. Maybe you're expecting a little bit more under center. Maybe you're expecting a little bit more of those uh, Jake Browning elements to be in the offense with Joe Burrow in the future. And I think that that's a fair expectation based on what we saw in the off-season training activities period of the off-season last year before training camp, before Joe Burrow got hurt in mini camp. And we saw this big emphasis on the under center game and, and the evolution toward 12 personnel that the Bengals got a little bit, little bit heavier and meaning two tight ends on the field, one running back on the field. That's all 12 personnel means in case you didn't know, but th they started doing that a little bit more when, when Jake Browning was running the offense and, with Tyler Boyd departing for free agency, where certainly they will look to backfill, I think, and I don't think it will only be Charlie Jones and Andre Yosevash to go with T. Higgins and Jamar Chase. I think both of us, James, are expecting a little bit more in receiver. Even if they do that, if they acquire Brock Bowers and, say, return a couple of their tight ends on the roster, maybe even all of the tight ends that were playing significant snaps down the stretch, being Drew Sample, Tanner Hudson, and Mitchell Wilcox, all three of those guys could be active with Brock Bowers and have different roles on game day from Brock Bowers. Because one thing that's going to be really interesting is when he goes to the combine and he looks like a really big wide receiver and he looks like a really small tight end and NFL teams. And, and I'm sure we're going to get this hand wringing depending on what he weighs in at over, Oh, is he too small? How are you going to use him? There's still ways to use him. Even if he does weigh 235, 240, whatever it's going to be, even if he is six, three, instead of six, four, whatever it's going to be, the, the skill set is still there and it's still translatable. It just means that you do still need other tight ends on the roster. And I think that's part of it. And the other part of it, James, that we have to talk about in terms of what they have to do to make it work is like you said, they need to make sure that they're in a good place in the trenches, because as I said, in mock draft Monday, they need to be open to picking a blue chip player. If one is available. Yeah. And, and let's get to the trenches in just a second, how they could build next month in free agency build around uh, th their team or build up their team to where you'd feel really comfortable on Thursday night when the, I forget who has pick 19. Now the Steelers have picked 20 when the Steelers are on the clock and Brock Bowers is a Bengal. It, you're, you're comfortable with that. And you're not like, Oh my goodness. What did they do? Because there will be an offensive lineman that's being mocked that will be available. There could be multiple defensive tackles available. You never know, especially with how far out we are. I do have to mention, though, you mentioned Brock Bauer's size. I think the Bengals should mail. And in fact, Mike, Mike Brown, Duke Tobin, reach out to me. I'll do it. Mail the photo from Super Bowl week of Rob Gronkowski next to Brock Bowers and be like, what, what is that? A little slot receiver? What is that? A little slot receiver next to Gronk? He's not the future Hall of Fame. Just mail it to the first 17 picks and make sure that they're very aware that, ah, that, that little guy can't be good in the league just so he falls to, to pick 18. Look, I, I it's, it's funny. I, I think about the Bengals tight end room and the Irv Smith jr. Uh, project it, it didn't work. That's fair to say. And it, it's fair to say really early on that it didn't work. Tanner Hudson's emergence drew samples career year helped make up for that. I look at those tight ends, and, and let's just say you have Drew Sample, you have Mitch Wilcox, you have Tanner Hudson, and you just plug in Brock Bowers, 
Now, I feel really damn good about the Bengals' tight end room because they all can contribute in their own way, to your point. You have the star that fits the offense that's going to make huge plays and and get all the accolades, but Drew Sample is needed, and re-signing him would make a ton of sense. He would fit alongside Bowers, and then those other two guys are restricted. So I, I do think you could totally see a scenario, and, and it sucks that you don't have a crystal ball to, to see, hey, is Brock Bowers there? Because if Brock Bowers is available, I'm fine keeping the three in-house tight ends and in adding Brock. And you feel really good about that tight end room. If he's not available, then I want them to do something in free agency because you don't want to just go into the t- the draft needing a tight end. So that that's a, a tough element that they have to juggle. And that's one that they're going to have to figure out and plan out if, if it's realistic that Brock could be there at 18. I would say it's possible that they don't need to use restricted tenders on Hudson or Wilcox. They might get away with just doing one-year deals that are not the the minimum requirement for a restricted free agent tender. That would be maybe twice the price, I think, for the lowest RFA tender versus a, a one-year veteran minimum type deal. I'm not sure that either of them would have a bigger market than that. They, they waited, obviously, with Wilcox last year. He was dealing with an injury as well, but got him back on a cheap deal. Drew Sample is the only one of the tight ends on the roster right now that I think would go out there and probably get more than a league minimum deal because he does have value as a blocker. And we saw last year, Josh Oliver got paid $7 million, was it? I, I will say this. Drew Sample will not get $7 million. Bold prediction by me. Very bold. But he would earn more than the veteran minimum. Point is, is the Bengals could potentially bring those guys back, make a free agent addition, and not be on the hook for Mitchell Wilcox and Tanner Hudson if they wanted, say it's a Hunter Henry, who I know we've talked about recently on this show. Hunter Henry, Drew Sample, and, and then they can still draft Brock Bowers. But there are other prerequisites that they would have to take care of as well. And there are some things they would have to do in free agency for you to feel comfortable with that. And that is to feel good about the trenches. And I think that's their job either way, and probably the secondary as well, to be honest, to some degree. We'll talk about those prerequisites coming up next. Today's show is brought to you by Game Time. You shouldn't have to worry when you buy tickets to the next big event in town. And whether it's NBA All-Star Weekend, which just passed, which the three-point contest was the, certainly the uh, the main attraction. And I know a lot of Cincinnatians went down to Indianapolis for that. Or maybe you're looking ahead to some of these concerts in the summer or baseball season. Right around the corner, Reds opening day. Well, game time is the place you should go because you can get last-minute tickets, flash deals, zone deals. Let's say on opening day, you want to go downtown and celebrate, and you decide, hey, let's go to the Reds game. Let's actually go to the game and not just hang out downtown. Well, you can do that with game time because game time has deals on tickets right up to the start of the event. Even an hour after it starts, you can take the guesswork out of buying tickets with game time. You can Find the view from your seat in the app, and there's no hidden fees, so you know exactly what you have to pay for that seat. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code Locked On for twenty dollars off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code Locked On L O C K E D O N for twenty dollars off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. 
They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It was Josh Oliver, tight end that signed with Minnesota for $7 million per year, mostly for his blocking prowess. Anyway, going away from that. They're top- paying a lot. Of, they're paying their tight ends a lot in Minnesota. Hawkinson and Oliver, like that's a lot of money. Man. Yes. Uh, Do that. Keep paying tight ends. Go give Noah Fant $32 million per Minnesota and uh, save Justin Jefferson for the rest of the league. $32 million per year. It, it is crazy, though. Josh, Josh Oliver played 41% of Minnesota's offensive snaps, and he had 22 catches for $7 million that – I mean, I was thinking maybe $4 million for him last year as a potential Bengals target. Certainly not seven. Regardless, point is, there is a role for Brock Bowers with other tight ends on the roster who maybe are more well-rounded than Brock Bowers. You're not going to line up Brock Bowers and have him be on the line of scrimmage, go block. That would be Drew Sample's job. He'd be off the ball. He can block in the open field actually quite well. He's, he's a very strong open field blocker, move blocker. He does have a role as a blocker. It's just not the dig out defensive ends kind of role. That's why you would need a guy like Drew Sample, a guy that has the size, the experience playing in line. But he will be a very dynamic receiver for you. He'd be a run after catch weapon. He would be a creator on his own. He would be a mismatch issue for defenses. And that's where his role would be to to talk specifically about what he could do for them. And when he's your seventh blocker and not your sixth blocker in the run game, if they were to go with that 12 personnel stuff and Drew Samples out there along with Brock Bowers and Brock Bowers has to go dig out a safety or a linebacker instead of a defensive end, then you can have a threat in the pass game who can also help you in the run game a little bit. So that's a high level vision for the potential role for Bowers, but like, like you said, and I said, and people commenting on yesterday's Mock Draft Monday said, they would need to address the trenches in a big, big way to feel comfortable passing on a top-end tackle in a tackle class that is really strong, be it offensive tackle or defensive tackle, at least at the top for defensive tackle. I think there are a couple of guys at least worthy of that first-round pick and many offensive tackles that could qualify. And this goes hand-in-hand with the, the tight end element where you don't have the crystal ball you can't look and see who's there and so i'll tell you right now the bengals will not like every right tackle that people think makes sense for them and they might be right they might be wrong same thing with defensive tackle the the big three they might not be comfortable drafting two of them at 18 right whether it's byron murphy tavondre sweat and obviously uh, jerzon newton and newton's kind of the the leader i think from a fan perspective what if they have Murphy and Sweat ahead of Newton for whatever reason? And I have no idea that there could be a thousand reasons, including medicals, side, whatever. So I, I do think that that's, you take that into consideration. And so to me, if I'm the Bengals, this is what I'm doing anyways. Because what, what if uh, a top, what if Terry and Arnold's there, the cornerback from Alabama? It's not just a Brock Bowers conversation. This is a open up the board and let it breathe situation. What if you, you realize and you group everyone together and you realize that Brian Thomas is going to be a, a, the 12th player on your board and could instantly be your, your T Higgins replacement. If you wanted him to be the instant guy 
uh, you know, you want to open up the board to where you can feel comfortable taking someone like that. And I'm not saying they have him there or anything like that. But the point is, when I look at defensive tackle, I think it's that's the spot you spend the most at in free agency. Multiple veteran additions. And that could include DJ Reader. He could be one of those additions if you feel good about where he's at injury-wise. And at right tackle, you can't go into the draft with Jackson, Carmen, Deontay Smith, and I, I, Cody, Cody Ford, I guess you could uh, picture him coming back. You cannot go into the draft with those guys as your penciled-in starter because there's no one else. It's it's wild. It would be like it just like defensive tackle going in with Zach Carter and Jay Tufele as your defensive tackles cannot happen. And so that's three trench additions, I would say at minimum. That, that I have, it's almost a requirement. You can make it the James requirement if you want, but I really think it's Bengals, analysts, fans, everyone going hand in hand saying, hey, you need at least three trench additions. And I'm sure they know this. I'm not saying anything that they don't know and that they don't believe, but a right tackle, two defensive tackles at minimum. Yeah, I think we've seen them willing to spend at those positions in recent years as well. Obviously, Lel Collins, then going after the the left tackle moving Jonah to right tackle on the fifth year option. They spent a lot of money at the right tackle. Orlando Brown, of course, in case anyone thinks I forgot the name. I didn't. I was just talking about Jonah Williams and the, the money spent there in that case. But yeah, I mean they, they've shown a willingness to spend on the defensive line as well. They went out and acquired BJ Hill, then paid him the following year. They paid for DJ Reader. So you could easily see them valuing that position enough to pay for it. And and they know they need to. They know what they're losing potentially in DJ Reader. They know that what they have behind him, even if they do return him, isn't good enough. And they need to be better for depth there. So, yeah, they absolutely would need to address those positions in order to be in a spot where they could go BPA in the first round. And I think that's what's important because, say, the tackles do go. And maybe they don't love the corners in the first round, although it's hard for me to believe the Bengals won't have a first-round grade on at least one of these corners this year. Uh, I think it's actually a pretty pretty interesting corner class in the first two rounds. I think there's a number of guys that can play in this league in, in rounds one, probably two, maybe even three. And what about JPJ? I, I was shocked, actually, that that name didn't come up for you when you're naming potential BPA guys. Jackson Powers Johnson, what if it's – what if they have a higher grade on him and think that he is a – easy first round interior offensive line prospect, maybe not Quentin Nelson, but maybe not too far off. And they just like him better than some of the tackles, but then they feel like, ah, you know, we got to reach for, I don't know, whoever you think is a tackle reach. If it's Tyler Guyton, if it's JC Latham, if it's Amarius Mims, if it's any tackle, if it, if it's, uh, uh, I don't remember the guy's name from Arizona now that I started saying it, Jordan. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Jordan. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I get, I get your point. And, you're exactly right. I, I want the better player. It, like the, there's so much premium position talk and I get it. But if you hit on the player, that player is going to be worth it. Would you rather have Frank Ragnow or Jonah Williams? I it, it's, it's that simple because I don't think Jonah's a bust and people do, but Frank Ragnow drafted nine picks later and in a different draft, obviously a year earlier, but you would take him all day. And he's not at the premium position. But he's just such a better player. And that's not me being mean to Jonah. But that's that's what happens when you 
and they didn't settle with Jonah. I think a lot of people had that as the consensus pick. But if they settle at tackle, they put themselves in position to miss out on a better player. And so you want to fill that role and then go from there. So hopefully they do. Hopefully they add one of these free agent tackles that we're going to be spending a ton of time on. And, uh, man, it's right tackle and it's defensive tackle. And it's a huge topic here in Cincinnati. Another huge topic is T. Higgins. The Bengals, well, they can tag T. Higgins on Tuesday. We'll give you the latest on T coming up next. Today's show is brought to you by FanDuel. FanDuel is America's number one sports book. And baseball season's right around the corner. The NFL draft is nearly here. Maybe you want to get in on NFL futures and get in on the Bengals' chances of winning Super Bowl 59 in New Orleans. Well, you can do that and so much more with FanDuel. And right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 bet. That's $150 if your bet wins. They have quick bets, live, same-game parlays, exclusive props, and so much more. So visit FanDuel.com slash on to shoot your shot today and get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 bet. Again, that's FanDuel.com slash on. FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NBA. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. T. Higgins is an obvious franchise tag candidate for the Cincinnati Bengals. And as of potentially when you're listening to this episode, Tuesday, that franchise tag window opens and that goes until March 5th. Wouldn't necessarily expect there to be breaking news, though, James, as our listeners are potentially enjoying this episode on Tuesday on their way home from work that the Bengals have placed a franchise tag on T Higgins. They tend to take their time with these franchise tag decisions. The last couple of years waiting toward the end of that deadline to institute the franchise tag on their franchise tag targets. The last few years, what do you think this year should be the expectation for when we should start to think about, oh, maybe they're not going to do it. I think it might be March 5th. It might be all the way <laughs> up to the end of that period. Yeah, yeah. Why, why do it sooner? I think that's probably how they operate. Now, they may, in their head, know they're doing it, and I think they do know they're going to tag T. Higgins. But do they need to come out and make it official? Do they need to go to Indianapolis, the combine next week, and have the world know that they've tagged T. Higgins? No, not necessarily. Maybe they ask around and, and ask if Jacksonville wants to uh, make a move for, for T. Higgins instead of re-signing Calvin Ridley. Check in with Brian Callahan. Zach Taylor can chop it up with him. Uh, yeah, hey, you interested in T? And, and Zach probably has no interest in giving up T, so it probably wouldn't be Zach, but you get the point. So that's that's what I would do, and they're going to tag T. He will not be a free agent for those hoping that that's the case. And I'm sure there's some fans of, of other teams hoping that that's the case uh, that are watching right now or listening. It's not going to happen. They will tag him. He will not become a free agent this off season. 
but could he be had via trade? I think that's the the really interesting dilemma. I think in their heads, when they tag him, they will plan on keeping him. But they will also probably pick up the phone, and they better pick up the phone, and they should pick up the phone to see what could be had, what they could get for T. I think they were picking up the phone last year, to be fair, too, when teams were asking and Duke Tobin told them to get their own, and I just don't think the offers were close. We know how the Bengals value their own guys. We know that, I mean, they they were holding out for that second-round pick to go with the third-round pick for A.J. McCarron. They weren't going to trade Carson Palmer until they could potentially get two first-round picks for him. They, when they're guys that they think can contribute to their team, when they're guys that they know are assets in the NFL, they are not going to just go take a trade to make a trade. They're going to be stubborn about it. They're going to try to exact what they think the price is. And that could honestly be the biggest obstacle toward getting a T trade done, even if they are open to it. And it will be interesting because you can bet Duke Tobin is going to be asked about it on the podium at least once, maybe at least twice in a number of different ways about T Higgins. And I don't think we're going to get, as we didn't, uh, when Duke Tobin talked with media down in Mobile, Alabama at the Senior Bowl, get an emphatic get your own T Higgins from Duke Tobin this year. Although we might, I don't know. That would be interesting. Yeah. Maybe they've done the franchise tag by then and then he, he says it and he's like, ah, same as last year, guys, get your own. And that's just a, a, a posturing move. I don't know. Yeah, I, I think it's all really interesting. Last year, it would have taken a lot for me to want to trade T2 because. He's under contract, and you have a real chance at winning the Super Bowl. Yeah. And and you're not paying him $22 million of a direct cap hit. Like, there's so many reasons why. Like, if, if they don't get Orlando Brown Jr. if T. Higgins is tagged last year. It doesn't happen. <laughs> it's, it's certainly not at the structure that they got him at. And and so I, I think that that's a, another wrinkle, another element to it this year as to why I'm so willing to trade T. It's really not about the player. It's about knowing the reality of him likely walking in a year, needing to retool anyways, and wanting to speed it up, which we've talked about a ton on this show. But so, so I do think they'll pick up the phone and the asking price has to be different. But it is complex to get it done. T would have to probably agree to an extension with another team. We've never heard of, uh, the, you've never seen the report on the Sports Center ticker where it's like, oh, the Bengals have allowed this player to negotiate or, or speak with teams as they look for a trade partner. That just, it's very rare. You don't hear it. And even the Carson Palmer thing happened in the middle of the night, and it was because of a familiar face, and Hugh Jackson lost his quarterback. I mean, and we're talking about 13 years ago when that happened. So it is tough. Hugh Jackson tried to give them another, uh, another gift with the A.J. McCarron deal that fell through. So... Who knows? Maybe is Hugh Jackson with the Raiders yet? Maybe call the Raiders and see if Hugh Jackson wants to make a deal for T Higgins. He might be able to help him out. He interviewed with the Raiders. I don't think yeah. it's any, it's official that he's on that staff with Marvin, but uh, yeah, it's, it, it's, it's the biggest dilemma outside of the building, but it might be pretty simple inside the building, tag him, keep him and build around him. I think we should also mention that, the tag and trade is different from last year's willingness or not willingness to trade because of where we were in terms of extension expectations this year, the likelihood of an extension feels much, much lower 
than last year at this time, right? Where we were, especially after Duke Tobin's comments, I think pretty optimistic that oh, they're, they're going to get it done this time with David Mulligan. And, you know, here we are a year later. And what, what I was worried about at this time last year, that they would never get it done with David Mulligan is potentially still true. And there will only be more David Mulligan clients as he expands his influence over the top end of the NFL. And the Bengals will have to figure out how to do business with that guy. And maybe T Higgins is the guy to do it, but it feels like as we've discussed, I mean, you put it at 5% for an extension. I was maybe a little bit rosier, but overwhelming odds at franchise tag and either playing on it or being traded and, and obviously very different odds for those two things. But those are the two likely outcomes we're headed to for T Higgins. And so the dates are important because they can do it as soon as Tuesday, 4 p.m., but they might not do it until the end of that window, March 5th, and then they can't trade him until the new league year officially starts anyway. So if they wanted to trade him, do the tag and trade, they want to do it very early in the new league year. So they had all that money to play within free agency. They're not half, they're not forced to sit on $21 million of cap space, but that that's just the the dates part of this as we're now either on the eve of or on the day of that franchise tag opening that window opening depending on when you're listening to this episode it'll be interesting to see how it plays out i think uh like i said i think it'll be tag i'll say post combine tag will be my my prediction for t that will be in line with what the Bengals have done for the last few years. And I'm not going to argue with you on that. That's what history tells us, I think. And we will, of course, have you covered next week for the Combine and, and keep an eye on that in addition to everything else leading into the Combine next week. And that's going to do it for this episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. Until next time, thanks for listening. day, and have a good one. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.